Hey, Phil. Hey, Senda. You want to talk about romance and kissing? Um, uh, don't we have guidelines about this on the network? I mean, in games. We're going to talk about it in games. Oh, oh, right, right, right. In games. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, we're going to do another romance topic. Awesome. Cue music. And welcome to another episode of Pandas Talking Games. I'm one of your hosts, Phil. And I'm your other host, Senda. And tonight's topic, friend of the show and friend in general, GM Gerrymander, asked on email, Okay, so the Queen mentioned how much she likes those romantic situations in games. How, as a GM or player, do you encourage that sort of thing in the game? I've been in games where I try to play a character interested in romance and there is never an NPC worth romancing. Or GMing a group of players who have a few characters interested in romance but never take the bait. Yep. So tonight we are going to look at how to include romance in your game. Now... We've done this once before. Back in episode 49, we talked about romance in one-shots and campaigns. But tonight, we're going to look at it a little differently. We're going to take two points of view, uh, and that is how to set up your game to include romance, and then how to make room for romance when you're playing the game. Now, let me just say, I'm going to go a little off script here. If you notice carefully, we talk, we're saying how to set it up and how to make room for it. What you can't do in a game is make romance happen. Yep. You can make a space for it, but ultimately it takes basically two to tango. So you're or going more. to need... Yeah. Or more. It's going to take at least two At least to tango. two. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> what we're trying to say is you can't force romance in a game. So the way we're going to approach it tonight is these two points of view are going to be about how to set it up so that everything's in place for romance to happen and then how to make space for it in the game so that after you've done your setup, there's a place for it to occur if it's going to occur. Make sense? Yep. Cool. All right. Now, maybe you listened to episode 49. Maybe you didn't. Really doesn't matter. There's not. There's a chance you're not going to remember what was in it. I went back and read the notes. So yep. I have some idea of what's in it. We will overlap a little, but you really won't know and probably won't care. Unless your name is Tony and you just listened to most of our show in the last, like, three weeks, in which case you probably remember. <laughs> Good job, Tony. <laughs> but to get started on this, the first thing that we need to do is review what romance is all about. And to do that, we're going to go to our definition panda to get a definition that we will use for this discussion of what romance is. Yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and recycle our definition from 49 because I really liked it when okay. I went back and read it. I mean, fair um, enough. So uh, to define the word romance, we're going to use the dictionary term, right? We're going to use uh, a feeling of excitement and mystery associated with love. Super broad (laughs) description. I like it, though. So it it can mean a number of things, right? It can mean uh, a committed love between Mm -hmm. two people. Uh, It could mean a sexual love between two people. And I'm going to clarify that now because we here at Talking Games love romance in all of its many forms between any pair or group of consenting adults. Agreed. So it doesn't have to be two people. Right. And it doesn't matter what your gender or anything is. uh, Love is love. Yes. So 
as long as it's adults and consenting, we're on board. Yep. So, so uh, the first thing we're going to then chat about is setting your game up for romance, right? Because that is the first step. And in order to have romance in your game, you have to do that. Or it could just totally flop because you can't shove it in afterwards unless you basically go back and accomplish these steps. So you can have it spontaneously occur. It has happened to me, but we're talking about me, right? So... Um, Chances of it happening to me in a game are pretty high, but your chances of having successful romance if you haven't planned for it first and you're not playing with me and my specific group are probably not as good, right? It depends on who you're playing with, depends how comfortable everybody is, but especially if you're having trouble introducing it, planning for it is the thing that will make it far more likely to happen. Yeah. And I'm going to say that, to be honest, this setup works, what we're about to talk about, works really well for campaigns. Uh, It will work in a one shot. You just have to kind of condense it a little. But what is really um, important here is that if you do this setup, you have kind of taken care of answering all the questions about romance before it happens spontaneously. Yeah. So nobody has to wonder if everything is okay and all of that kind of stuff, right? So basically what we're asking you to plan, the following parts to plan, is consent, boundaries and expectations, and then safety, right? And just to be clear, because I made some flippant comments about two seconds ago about my group and how we just, you know, have romance spontaneously. Even when we do that, we will actually stop in the game if we realize we haven't discussed this and be like, okay, hang on. I think this is where this is going. Are you okay with that? And we will actually have that discussion in the middle of the game to catch up with what we may have missed planning wise if something happens spontaneously. So just to be absolutely clear. So the first thing we're going to start with is consent, because that is the most important thing um, just in general, but also for having romance in your games, right? So in order to have romance in the game, you have to have buy-in from the players and from the GM You need to talk as a group if the group or if parts of the group are interested in having or participating in romance in the game. And then having said that, not everyone in the group has to participate in romance itself. But if you're going to have it at the table, everyone has to be comfortable with it occurring at the table, whether their particular character is involved with it or not. Right. Because if someone is not comfortable with having romance occurring at the table, then you really can't have it in the game. Like, even if they're not going to be involved, if they're just uncomfortable with romance at, in general, then you don't want to you don't want to force that issue and have it in the game. So, again, start with the consent. Yeah. So, moving on from there, we're going to assume that everyone is cool and has consented um, with some romance happening at the table. The next thing that you need to figure out is your boundaries and expectations, right? So we got to set up some boundaries in order to understand what romance is going to be available in the game. Um, And, you know, what are we talking about? Yeah. Uh, So here's some sample questions um, that you could bring up. So um, do you want romance to occur for your character, right? Like you should ask that to every every player, right? Do you want romance to, to uh, in for your character? Yeah. Some people may say no, and that's okay as long as other people, you know, pe- if everyone says no, then I don't know why you consented to it. Right. But if <laughs> right, someone should have said yes to, to that question. <laughs> yes. Um, 
The next one is, uh, do you want NPC to PC romance? So do you want a romance where the GM is going to play one of the romantic interests and, and of one of the characters? Are you comfortable with PC to PC romance? So that would be between the characters of two players. And then what kind of romantic themes would we want to have? Like, do we want our romance to be kind of like a romantic comedy? Do we want it to be tragic? Uh, Do we want something really passionate? Those are going to depend on who's playing, the game you're playing, all of that stuff. And this is, for me, tends to work in not only at my session zero, but tends to be something that we end up discussing as we create both our characters and our relationships to each other as characters, that we can sit there at the table and say, oh, it would be really cool if we had this connection because that will like crank up the drama or whatever it is, right? So it is something that, um, you know, you don't have to necessarily say, okay, now we're going to talk about romance. But these are the questions that you need answers to, even, you know, whether it's something that you bring up very directly as like, now we're going to talk about romance and here are the things I need to know from all of you. Or if I'm sitting at the table and I say, awesome, I have this character, I think it would be really cool if she was engaged to your character, would you be comfortable with that? Here's the relationship that maybe they have. Like, let's, let's you know, riff on that together and figure out what that would feel like and if we're both comfortable with it and where our boundaries are as players, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, cool. So once you have the boundaries set, once you've figured out what those are, then the next thing is to have some safety mechanisms, right? Because romance is an element that can cause bleed into things about our own relationships, our own sexuality, our own gender identity, all of that kind of stuff. And in my personal experience, the last really romantic game that I played, I actually, the the last scene was super bleedy to me. And I knew it going into it. And it was, um, you know, it was about lovers leaving, having to part when they didn't want to. And uh, it was intense. <laughs> So, like, you know, there's some, like, awareness of, like, what's, how personal does it get and that sort of thing, right? And I walked into that knowing what that scene was, and I was happy to play it with my friends because we have safety in place that I knew that I could rely on to get me out of a bad situation if I needed it to, right? So, because of all the things that can come up when you start playing with romance, especially if you lean into it really hard, you are going to want to make sure that there are safety tools on the table that will match your expectations of like where this could go. Right. Yeah. So in all cases, you should definitely use lines and veils to determine what you want to be played, like portrayed at the table and what you want veiled and you know, what you might want out of the game. Right. So like, for, for example, you might be like, okay, kissing is totally okay. We can have kissing in the game, right? Yep. That's okay. But we want to veil sex. Yes. So sex is okay to happen in the game, but we don't need any descriptions about it, right? We want the camera to pull out and the lights to go down before, you know, anybody gets it on. Right. Now, depending on your group, that may be, you know, you may change that completely. You might be like, kissing's okay and, you know, we, we're not going to veil sex. I, I've never been at a table that has done that, but right. um, theoretically? I, theoretically, you could. I mean, um, that that's sort of approximately the normal boundaries that I think I usually play with. Although, like, it's like kissing and or slash or, like, intimate gestures. Like, you know, maybe, like, face touching or, like, longing looks or whatever, you know? 
My my veil usually comes down right at the moment where it's pretty clear that the next thing that's going to happen right. is clothes come off. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like somebody gets pushed up against a wall. Somebody kisses somebody. And that's about all we got to cover. Right. Like that's the like and we'll come back to this. You know, like when we come back to this, it'll be afterwards. Yeah. It's actually really funny that you're saying that because I'm actually trying to remember any time that we've I've actually like tiptoed right up to that line with any of my characters who have been in these romantic entanglements. And I don't know that I actually have. It's all, it's all like very PG 13. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I think that's actually okay. I mean, while, you know, I mean, listen, while we're adults and um, we're very sex positive and things like that, I don't know. It, It depends. It really depends on your game, your group and what you're like, what you're going after. I can, for the games I'm running, get what I need by veiling out right at the moment of sex is about to happen. Yeah. But again, this is why you have the discussion. Yeah, um, exactly. You have the discussion for setting these boundaries and expectations in your group. Yep. Yeah. Sorry, I went totally off the rails there, but I was trying to get back to it. So in addition to working with lines and veils, you should also review what you're using for revoking consent during the game. And that will be a tool for basically for safety purposes, right? So that might be the X card. Um, for example, and you always want to have the ability to revoke consent or remove content while you are playing. Right. So like, to be honest, um, I mean, this has been our stance for a long time. At the very least, if you do nothing else in your game, um, have an X card on the table. Right. Whether there's romance or not. Yeah. Yeah. So, but if your game is going to deal with a more graphic or mature approach to romance or have a theme of intense passion or anything like that, or if it has themes that you know parallel some relationship stuff that you have had or are dealing with now or any of those things, right? You may want to pick a more granular safety tool. So depends on what you like playing with and who your group is and what everybody likes. We really like the okay check-in. We're fans of that. There's also the support flower. You could also check out script change, work with whatever feels good and right to you as a group, but you know, have something. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in a campaign, you would actually set all of this up in your session zero. Yeah. You, you can just fold this in as you're setting up everything else in the campaign, right? So you could just be going through and talking about setting and tone. And, and if you're using like the gauntlets cats yep. um, setup, like this would simply just be a part of that where you are talking about the tone of the game and you would just simply say, um, Hey, is anyone interested in romance? And if the answer is yes, then you would start in with what we said. And if everyone's like, eh, not really, then you could just be like, cool, check and move on. So in a one shot, you could do it in the first few minutes at the table, right? So if you're running like a convention game with strangers and your game is not about romance, then this gets a little bit riskier, right? Yeah, actually risky, isn't it? It's it's our <laughs> advice that if your game is not about romance and you are running a convention game with strangers, yeah, don't put romance in your game. Yeah. Romance requires a certain amount of comfort trust and a little bit of intimacy and five random people at a table at a convention is not the best place 
to do that. Yeah. Now, <laughs> if your game is about romance, like you're playing one of the romance trilogy games or something like that. Yes. That's different, right? We talked about this before the show, right? We, but I'm saying like if you're playing 5e. Yes. <laughs> and and you're, if you're playing 5e and you're, you know, you're doing, you know, the minds of, you know, the Hellkeep or something, don't add romance to the <laughs> the beginning of that one shot. Like, right. It's not going to work the way you want it to work. And um, at best, it's going to make at, at best, it'll make someone uncomfortable. And at worst, it's going to compromise somebody's safety. Right. Because you just don't know each other. Right. Um, and, and the thing about being really explicit about the game that you're playing and that it includes romance at a convention, say, in your description, is that you are giving people the opportunity to consent in by showing up to your game. It should never be a surprise at a convention that there is romance involved, right? Ever. Yeah, exactly. If it's in your description, like, this is a game about romance, this is a game about kissing, whatever, right? and people have signed up for your game... There's a certain level of consent. There is an it's not an a initial. It, 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 yeah. There's an initial consent, right? Yes. There's an initial consent. You've consented enough to come to the table. Yes. They still have to consent the rest of the way through. Yes. And absolutely they do. But like that initial level of consent is important because it means that they are interested in playing romance and they're willing to have the rest of those consent conversations, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Good. Moving right along. If you are running a one shot among friends, you can do the three things that we talked about before the time of the game or in the first few minutes of the game, right? Yeah, absolutely, right? Like this is, you can just really quickly go through those three structures, right? Establish consent, set boundaries, and check for safety. Yeah, and I've been playing a lot of Wen's Yes, which I cannot wait until he has it published because it's phenomenal. And like that's part of the thing that you basically run through at the beginning is like, here, what do we want to do? How do we feel about it? Like, mm-hmm. what are the boundaries here? And it's fantastic. And I love that game. Anyway, now that we have our game set for romance, we need to actually make it happen at the table, right? Yeah. So building off that foundation, that session zero foundation, we have some we have some understanding of what kind of romance we're going to have in the game, who's going to be participating in that romance, potentially. But in order to actually have some romance, we're going to need to make sure that we leave space in the game and have some idea of where this romance is going. Right. So let's start with the second idea, which is where is this going? Yeah. So there are two ways that you can treat a romance in uh, in a game. So the first one is static, right? Statically, a romance um, is that a character has a romantic interest and that interest remains constant throughout the game. Be this a one-shot or be this an arc, that person stays the same. G- give me some examples. Right, so like a character might have a committed relationship to a partner and the boundaries of the romance that we've placed on the game are that the partner is an NPC who the character frequently interacts with, Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that totally works. It could be two players might be playing a couple as a way to have a bond between their characters. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Or it might be more of a plot device thing, like a knight has a longing for their prince, but cannot be in that relationship due to honor or duty, and then often sneaks away to have time and intimate moments. Also yeah. Fun. And, and, and yeah, and yeah, and sexy. <laughs> uh, the, the, the point of it being is that um, it stays the same. Yes. Okay. The other, in contrast to a dynamic romance where the character has a romantic interest that will change during the course of the game. Yeah. So this is more like an arc. It's going to have a start, 
a middle, and a finish. So some examples of this would be something like a character meets an NPC on their journey and falls in love, right? Or a mm-hmm. character starts the game with a partner, but that relationship is troubled by their superhero activities and falls apart. Or a character starts a game about to get married to another character, and then it turns out that they're really an alien that eats people like her father with their mandibles, and then she doesn't feel safe anymore, and then they don't actually get married. That one might have happened to me. Yes, it did. Um, And again, the the important part of this is that um, over the course of the one-shot or of the arc, um, this changes. Um, Because, And the reason why this is important is because how you deal with these two types of relationships in terms of prepping your game and running it are very different. In the case of a static relationship, you only need to make sure that the romantic interest is included in the course of the game. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in a second. Uh, But with a dynamic relationship, um, this is an arc. And so you need to prep it like an arc. Yeah, so you have to think how the arc starts. And it has to have rising action. And then how does it... Yeah, it does. (laughs) How does it climax? (laughs) You wrote this specifically, didn't you? (laughs) At least least a few times. And then what happens when you've hit the climax and you've moved on, right? So the other thing is, it's entirely possible that your romance will switch between types during the course of a game. And that a static relationship could become dynamic if something changes that relationship. And a dynamic relationship could become static after it's either established or it's ended. Yeah. Now... When it comes to making space for a romance, uh, this is actually pretty easy. This is just a PC-NPC or a PC-PC interaction beat in your story, Um, which means that uh, we just need to make space for it in the game by giving the characters some time to interact. And we can do that by just giving them a dedicated scene. Yep. So maybe like during downtime between missions, our lovers get to go on a picnic or have some kind of date. Yeah, that's really nice. Yeah. Or or we can we can do a thing that Chris Nizak loves to do, which is to blend an action scene with a drama scene. Oh yeah. Um, so we could have that. You know, we could have our interaction occur in the middle of a of an action scene. Right. So that might be like our lovers confess their unrequited love for each other in the middle of a gunfight, stealing a kiss as enemy fire blasts away their cover chunk by chunk. Oh, that's right? the stuff that I love. <laughs> right exactly so you know, and then they like right and then they turn around after yeah. that and like come out they just shooting, like right? turn around and they both go like are you ready and then just like come out like guns blazing and that's like the final shot that we get of them or oh, right so, so good. good okay <laughs> um, and like we said at the top of the show and we said it again in um, episode 49 as the gm you can only create this space you can't force romance to happen if you've done all your setup Right. So if you've done all your setup at the beginning, then creating the space should just be the thing you need for it to to take place and you just play off of it. But if you create the space and you've done the setup and it doesn't take nah. like you can't actually you can't do anything them. about that. No. You, right. So just try again later. Yep. You know, just let that happen. So anyway, when we talk about creating spaces it must be time for us to create a space for the end of the show. And before we do, Senda, tell us about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network. 
Of course. On the lounge, Doc finds the best, the brightest, the most fun game designers and sits down to have a cool chat with them. You never know what conversation is going to come up in the lounge. And apparently sometimes Margaret hangs out there with peanut butter and onion sandwiches. I've heard rumor. Ugh. I know. Peanut butter and onion. Gross. Vile. <laughs> it's just wrong. Say, Senda, where can people reach us on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pandas talk games. You can soon find us in our Google replacement that we haven't created yet, but we'll let you know about it when we do. And if you like it better, you can send us an email panda at misdirectedmark.com. And Phil, once they have that information, what can they do with it? Please, uh, by all means, do what Jerry did and send us a topic for the show. We love to do the topics that you send us. To be honest, we're super lazy and don't come up with our own topics, so we kind of rely on you. Yep. But since we're at episode 151, this relationship of give and take has been working pretty well. So stoke the fires, keep us filled with ideas, we'll keep making shows about them. Indeed. Say Zenda, what's the other thing people can do with our social media that's also awesome? You mean our Twitter? <laughs> I said our social media. Oh, yeah, our Twitter. That's all we got. Oh, you could send us your table selfies. So the next time you are sitting down to play some awesome romance at your table, we would love to see a picture of it. Hashtag it table selfie. Plop it on Twitter. I mean, you can put it somewhere else, but I may or may not be able to see it. I'll do my best if you point me at it. And yeah, hashtag it table selfie. And we're excited to hear about it. Indeed we are. If you like what we do here elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, please consider supporting our Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash MMP. Your support goes um, towards keeping the lights on and the shows running and all of that. And we like to give you stuff for it. You will get the bonus outtakes from this show, which is everything up to the delete, delete, delete. Um, <laughs> you will get the... Um, well, wait, people. You'll hear it when you get to the outtakes. Um You'll get the after show for the Misdirected Mark show. You will get all sorts of other goodies, access to our Slack room for life. You get occasional publications from Encoded Designs, games and things that we make. Uh, we like to shower those upon our upon our listeners as well. Uh, and we like to shout out some of the names of our patrons in each uh, show. The first one going out to GM Jerry Mander himself, the Lord of the After Show. Indeed he is. Thanks, Jerry. Uh, thanks uh, again. Thanks to Scott Ryder. Thanks, Scott. And Dan Simons. Thanks, Dan. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. And to all the other patrons who make all of this very, very possible. Senda, there's a thing that people can do that is not the Patreon, because either they are supporting it, which is awesome, or unable to support it, which is perfectly fine, uh, but also helps immensely uh, and also makes us re ridiculously happy what's that thing well you could leave us a rating or review on apple podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice every new review we get really does actually help new people find the show as well as making us super giddy which we're like 150 episodes in here so like giddiness is pretty much what keeps us going so like you know leave us a review also if you leave it somewhere that's not the u.s itunes store well the u.s Apple Podcast Store. If you leave it on not the U.S. place for Apple, then <laughs> let us wow. <laughs> People will figure that out. <laughs> then let us know because it's really hard 
to see anything that's not the U.S. And also there are way lots of places we could try to check for uh, reviews, but um, I could spend hours a day doing it every day. So I don't. Yes, indeed. Oh, so say, Phil, show me how you are going to set up your new sprawl game for romance. Yeah, I'm putting it right in the beginning. I mean, in fact, I'm going to do the cat. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Clicky, click, click. I bought $75 worth of pouches. Oh my gosh. <laughs> See, you were like, you were like, they're only like 10 or 15 bucks. I thought I might just get a couple. So like, how many did you get? <laughs> uh, one of each size. <laughs> he did mention in the one I was watching today, he was talking about a, um, um, a donut place in Portland, but not like the, not the famous ones, like not, not the voodoo. big commercial ones, but like a super, I forget what he, I forget which one it was, but it was like a super, um, like it was just a real simple. So my uh, father went to a donut place in Portland and I don't remember what it was called, but apparently they have creme brulee donuts, oof. which are basically like they make a thin donut and then they put like a creme brulee like custard in the middle and then they glaze a a crust of sugar over the top like a creme brulee holy right and then it comes with a little syringe of grand manier that you like can just insert carefully at various places around the donut so that as you bite in the donut is oozing like the beautiful orange liqueur as you bite in with the cream and the crunchy sugar i was like whoa (laughs) that is uh that's a whole experience right like talk about taking donuts to a whole new level like that's it right there that's a that's like a that's a donut experience right like that's a like that's not a thing you like grab a cup of coffee like hop in your car and like you know munch it on the way to work like that's a thing you sit down and relish you gotta savor it also because you can't just like stick the syringe in and just be like or it just like squirts out everywhere like you have to put it in and like push with some deliberation. Apparently, this is a thing because what my stepmother does is she decided that it doesn't go in, so she just drinks it and then eats the donut. <laughs> <laughs> my father is slightly more del- deliberate and discovered you just have to move more slowly with the gramagne so it can absorb and permeate the donut. <laughs> Your mom's like the doctor from Cannonball Run. <laughs> Send a Cannonball Run Thanks. is a I knew this was coming. <laughs> movie from the 1980s. Um, I, I I can't even explain this movie. It, it, it's a car race across the U.S., um, but it is probably so unbelievably um, problematic now <laughs> that I I I, I mean I, I know for a fact I know for a fact it's got some serious problems. Bloop. I thought the movie was funny when i was a kid but that's you know what you don't know (laughs) right like right i i'm sure it had some comedy in it it was it was it was was 81 i used to watch it on i used to watch it on hbo when i was a kid a year before you were born yeah i'm like yeah it was a year before i was born so anyway year before you were born oh it has a one it has a one star on roger (laughs) 31 percent on rotten tomatoes this is not um, good not good not surprising 
Anyway, well, anyway, so yesterday, yeah. yesterday, um, we celebrated Andy's birthday party by having a giant murder mystery, making a bunch of our friends come over dressed up in silly costumes that were all like single color coded, like Clue. It was amazing. Aren't you doing the same thing for your son's birthday this weekend? Similar, yes. <laughs> But this one was actually a written out murder mystery in which someone actually, quote, died and someone actually done it. Oh, look, you brought a blanket down. Okay, we should start recording because he's cold enough to put the blanket around his shoulders. I'm the hood's just, up. I, look, the I, was sick. I was sick all day today. I like, know. I'm just, I'm, re- I'm to- going, I'm recording like under a blanket, under a hoodie. I mean, yesterday Tuck- was Yesterday tuck, was bad. Tuck, tuck the thing in. Tuck the, the little cube into you, into your chest. No, um. I'm okay. I, I'm not that cold. Bloop. So here's what happened. Like, spring came to Buffalo, and then we relapsed. So, like, it snowed for, like, two... <laughs> like, it snowed for, like, a day, and it got super cold again, and my basement got cold, and I was down here running games last night, and um, I came back upstairs, and I could not get warm. And I, like, fell asleep on the couch, wrapped up in a blanket in a hoodie. And I woke up this morning and my throat hurt. And I wasn't even sure we were doing the show or not. But I, like, slept all day and drank a bunch of water. Yeah. Somehow survived. I've recovered. I'm I'm pretty... I'm... I'm, I got a pretty strong uh, constitution here. I can see myself in the picture. I'm sorry. I look... I... I, You're just... (laughs) You're basically talking to, like, a pair of glasses and a goatee, like... I know. It's okay. I can recognize you. You look a little bit like you're about to uh, scale Mount Everest. Bloop. All right. You want to do this? Because it's getting uh, I know. That's what I was going to say. We should do the thing. Okay. I, next week, I will tell you about the pouches because they will be here they hopefully will come. the end of the week. You know what's coming for me is the stuff that I ordered um, from um, Heart of the Deernicorn when they were doing screen printing for Starcross. should be here on Wednesday, which I'm super excited about. But anyway. Uh, London, France. Yes. Then we can have our, I will save for next time my rant about how I can get Starcross panties, but apparently not Captain Marvel. But that's for but next I, time. But I could get Captain but Marvel. But you can boxes. get Captain Marvel, which pisses me the fuck off. Anyway. I feel like, feel like marketing missed <laughs> what the, totally the missed fucking the, hell. <laughs> I feel like marketing totally missed the mark on that one. Seriously. Like someone. It's Marvel. We should make some boxers for guys, right? Right. Right. Hmm. Anyway, so we should start the show. <laughs> Here we go. Bloop. Meow. Meow. Bloop. Have you noticed that our intros keep getting more er, complicated? Complicated is not the right word. More intricate. Intricate. There we go. <laughs> Indeed it has. I'm having fun with them. That's good. Keep going. Bloop. Good job, Go, Tony. And you might you might be hearing this episode in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> That's right. Good job binging the good job yeah. binging the catalog. Good job binging the binging the show. We we're glad you're enjoying it. Um bloop. Moving on. <laughs> anyway. Do you, want to do, do you want to do a clean one of that? Now? Yeah, I'm trying to figure yeah, out that. I don't know how to do it. Ready? Clean I'll one. just I'll just just do it. I won't say anything. Well, okay. uh bloop. <laughs> Can you say that last <laughs> sentence one more time? Because I'm not going to be able to edit something out of this. <laughs> delete, delete, delete. Delete, delete, delete. Bloop. For those in the know, something really bad got taken out. 
Something that could not be salvaged with the magic of editing. <laughs> Phil says things. Welcome to our when new show. When we start, Phil says things. Sorry, I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say a thing that gets us to, the end, to the end of the show. You're show, gonna sorry. cry when you have to edit this. I know. Bloop. Well, you could leave us a rating or review on uh, on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Um, every say iTunes. <laughs> I was gonna say iTunes. Shut up! I got past it. I was gonna fix it in post. Now I have to say it again. <laughs> I felt like you were going to say iTunes. I was going to say iTunes, but I fixed it. Right? Because because Apple Podcasts is a dumb name. <laughs> I mean, I'm not iTunes, denying it. iTunes is an awesome name. <laughs> I know. They, they, you know, I left the company and they just messed up. Why don't you, you know what? Later on, you ask Tony. Ask Tony his feels about Apple. Oh, boy. Yeah, my character in my current game is really weird. I was about to say in that she doesn't have romance, but then I remember the hate kissing, so I'm lying because there's hate, the kissing. hate kissing. There's definitely hate kissing. <laughs> yeah, show me what you got. 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 I like that you named it Kissy Time. I'm going to name the actual episode Kissy Time. What am I going to do with that? Bloop. Mean. So much of this conversation is going to vanish. Just, it's just going to go away. It just There's no place it can go but gone. Anyway, uh-huh. we should stop recording. Really, before anything else yes, gets out of hand. Because I'm going to have Say. to edit this nonsense. Say goodbye. Uh, Bye. Bye. Stop.